Well, good evening. It's good to see you all and uh, glad to be here. It's good to be back on a Sunday. We have been gone for three, almost three and a half weeks and uh, had some good meetings. The Lord really blessed and uh, just came back from uh, Brother Letson. Brother Letson's here tonight, his tent meeting, and uh, we had a sweet meeting there. And uh, we had four people saved on the Monday of the tent meeting. We had uh, I've had a couple of people saved in the meeting prior to that. Um, have saw, had the opportunity, you know, a lot of times uh, as an evangelist, you go to a church, there was a church that almost canceled the meeting because they'd been through a lot of, uh, really COVID had decimated them. And uh, they're up in Wisconsin and um, they're down to about five core families left. And uh, at one time the church ran 100, 125. And uh, they almost canceled the meeting, and they met and with the preacher, and they said, why don't we just go ahead and do it? And, uh, boy, we had a sweet meeting. And um, the uh, preacher was just in tears when they left and said, this is exactly what we needed to jumpstart and get us back. The different f core families came to me, and actually a few more people showed up for the meeting. So uh, it was a sweet meeting, and I got to spend a week with Brother Angel and uh, the church there and did their back to school camp. We had some really special, best meetings I've ever had with Brother Angel, really. So Lord's really been blessing, and uh, but uh, we miss seeing you all. And everybody says, oh, you guys are leaving. And you're. And I was just telling one of the people tonight, uh, yeah, okay, we're leaving, but um, we're, we're supposed to leave in September, but we'll be here the second week of October. And then I'll be back on a Wednesday in November, and then we'll be here for a week for the uh, college revival in January. And then so we're going to be around, uh, just not quite as much as what we were before. But we sure love you all, and uh, thank the Lord for you and uh, for the privilege to be able to be here and uh, uh, to be here tonight. You know, this morning, uh, preaching this morning on what I, I preached on, I forgot to mention that I brought some books with me about 9-11, and uh, they're on the, the, uh, the Lord's Supper table there, and I forgot to mention that, but if you want to look at them tonight, they'll be there on the, uh, just a, it's a lot of pictures, a lot of pictorial uh, books of uh, what took place then. Um, and I didn't mention during the morning service, I thought there would be more of the, uh, uh, servicemen in here, the, the police and the firemen, but you know, one of the highlights for me in my life was uh, I had a privilege to be able to preach the year after 9-11. Um, one year after, I preached in Jersey City, New Jersey, in the shadow of the uh, uh, World Trade Centers, and uh, they had a big uh, police and fireman Sunday there. at the little. It was a small church, but they had a huge police and fireman Sunday and I uh, had the privilege to sit down uh, at the end of it. I, uh, 11 of those men raised their hand that they wanted to know about heaven. And uh, I led one of the battalion chiefs to the Lord and uh, uh, assistant chief of the department and uh, a bunch of those men that were at Ground Zero that made it out alive. And uh, that was one of the highlights of my life to be able to do that and share the gospel with them. So anyways, um, I... Uh, Good to be here today. Thank you, preacher, for letting me be here and uh, being able to preach to you all today. Grab your Bible, if you would, and turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. And um, just want to give you a simple little thought tonight. Um, brother, the reason Brother Letson's here is Brother Letson and I are going elk hunting. And uh, so we're leaving tonight after the service. So preacher said, we're going to see where Brother Martin's priorities are. Yeah. How long will this message be? And, uh, <clears throat> but anyways, we're going to go out there and uh, see what we can do. But uh, 
Uh, and Brother Letson has been a dear friend for a lot of years. And I thank the Lord for him. They actually presented me with a new crossbow this week. Um, because of my shoulder injury, I cannot pull my bow back. And, uh, but I did get a crossbow permit from Colorado and, uh, to be able to use a crossbow. And they presented me with a top-of-the-line crossbow and uh, shot it yesterday over at Barney's house. And at 80 yards, it's dead on. And um, so we'll see what happens. Amen. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 29. Now, if you know much about this passage of Scripture, portion of Scripture and where it's at, uh, this is right at the Babylonian captivity. They're facing what they're going through right here. And uh, boy, it is a time of struggle and a time of battle for uh, the children of Judah, the children of Israel. Um, they've been carried away to Babylon. The uh, I want to draw an application from this passage of Scripture. Let's read down through it, and then I'll, and then I'll, I'll give you the simple thoughts uh, afterwards. In uh, chapter 29, verse 1 says, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem. Is this one on? Is this one on? Okay. They sent uh, from, uh, where are we at here? All right. To all the people from Nebuchadnezzar, uh, whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon, after that Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and, of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elasa the son of Shaphan and Gemariah the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah king of Judah sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And uh, seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. Notice, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye caused to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Now those, those prophets were prophesying, saying, we need to fight against Babylon. We need to fight against them and try to continue to maintain and control the, uh, uh, the uh, city. He says, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Now, as we read this passage of Scripture, again, what I say is the Babylonian captivity is taking place. They're, uh, uh, they're struggling about how to deal with that captivity. You, you have a portion of them, uh, prophets, that are prophesying and saying, we don't need to do this, we need to fight against this. Then you've got uh, 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 Jeremiah, the prophet from God, who's speaking out and saying, listen, that's not what the Lord says, here's what the Lord says. Now, I, I, I want us to just stop and think for a moment uh, and try to draw a little application here. There's, uh, 
we're in a bad way in our country today. And I mean, it is, uh, it is so sad. I mean, every day when you don't think it could get any worse, it seems like it gets worse and worse and worse. As a child, I never, ever dreamed. I, I, and again, I'm not that old preacher. But as a child at, uh, at 64, now almost 64 next month, um, I never dreamed that I would see what I see happening today. It just blows my mind. And, and the truth of the matter is we may in and of ourselves uh, sit and look at our life and look at the place where we're at and look at and, and think to ourselves, man, look at the captivity we're under right now. The truth is we could draw an application. You say, what do you mean? I mean, uh, we are really under captivity to a heathen, godless country right now. Our country has turned away from God. We can go all the way back. We can, trace the, we can trace it way back further than 62 and 63. But 62 and 63 is when uh, we took God out of the school system. And we said no more prayer in the school system. And, and uh, no more reading of God's word in the school system. But, I mean, there were, there were things happening way before that. In the 30s, the Communist Party became big in, in the, the United States. So there was a lot of things going on behind that. And we could go back and we could say, you know, uh, look at these things that are happening. But, and look where we're at today. How in the world could we ever get here? Well, we've turned more and more and more and more away from God. And, and the application is there. What do you mean? That's what happened with the children of Israel and the children of Judah. They turned more and more and more and more away from God. And by the way, they, do the same, they did the same things we're doing. They tried to justify their sin, tried to justify what, the way they were living and what they were doing. And so uh, at this point in time, this message came from God to give to the people uh, of, uh, of the captivity here. I mean, there's no question that we're living in rough times as Christians today, but uh, it doesn't compare to what they were facing right here. And it doesn't compare, by the way, to what people are facing all over the world today, to willing to sacrifice their lives to not renounce the name of Jesus Christ. Boy, if you read what's going on and happening around the world, I hope you're praying for Afghanistan. I hope you're praying for the Christians that are still there. They're being hunted down door to door and being killed. Right now, in the world today. We're not facing things like that. Um, but we've been through a tough time. We, uh, uh, the, the election cycle and things that happened and followed out after that. Uh, and, uh, but we look at why, God. We, we, we prayed as a country, as people, as Christians. We prayed, God, please, would you bless us with this? Bless, and we didn't see it happen. Did you ever come to think that maybe it's just God doing what God's going to do because we deserve what we're getting right now? I mean, we're living in a, in a country that liberal ideology is prevailing today. Anti-God philosophy prevails today. I mean, abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism. I love my country, but. And uh, God loved his people, but. Couldn't put up with that. Couldn't put up with the things that were going on. Can I remind you, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen. And that's what we're supposed to be looking forward to today. You know, Jesus even said uh, about his disciples there, it said, Jesus answered, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. And he spoke about his disciples. If it were, we would fight. But we're not fighting because this is, this, it's not of this world. Amen. You know, I, I read something here not long ago and I thought, wow, what a powerful statement. It was a Muslim that made this statement. 
A Muslim said, you Americans love your country more than God. We Muslims love our God more than our country. What's well, an indictment against us? What do you mean? Do we love God more than country? Or what are you saying tonight, Brother Martin? I mean, I, I just want to help us to see that God, even when there's, it seems like we're in a captivity, God's got a way for us to live in that. He wants us to keep on living. Amen. He don't want us to quit living. I mean, we could sit here and say, well, look at the world. Look at our country today. What's the use of even trying to fight? Because we are Christians. Above Americans, we are Christians. Amen. And uh, we're supposed to be living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything about our life, ought to be ev- it ought to be evident that we are children of God. We ought to be continuing to propagate the gospel with our lives and how we live and, and, and are witnessing to people. and all, That all ought to be a part of how we continue to live, even when it seems like we're in captivity. So I want to give you just uh, five things that the Lord uh, gave here. And the title of the simple little thought is how to handle the captivity. How to handle the captivity. Boy, you think we're in a bad, bad, bad way, but God's still on the throne. Amen. He's still in heaven day. He still understands what's going on. Amen. So let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, please bless the next few moments that we do spend together. And I pray that you'd help me to be a help to your people. Lord, I love these people. I love the preacher, Lord. And uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Please speak to hearts and, uh, and help us with this simple little thought today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want you to notice, if you would, let's pick it up in verse number uh, four. We won't read through all those names again. In uh, verse number four, it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives. Notice the next statement. Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Mm. What, he was, what was he trying to tell him here? Hey, I want you to know that the captivity happened because I caused it. Again, as I said before, listen, it's not due to the sake of the righteous people, but it's for the sake of a wicked, ungodly nation, people that have turned their back on God. Hey, God allowed this thing to happen for, for one reason or another. Uh, we, we never dreamed we would be in this shape right now at this point, and, uh, I, I mean, even a year ago. But God's allowed these things to happen for a purpose and for a reason. He's the one who causes it to happen. Amen. We think about, I, I, I always think about that passage over in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20 where it's talking about Noah and it says that uh, where, there were eight souls were saved by water. It's not talking about water baptism like some denominations try to make that. It's not, that's not that. It's talking about those eight souls, Noah and his family, that trusted and believed God in in, in the time in the midst of a wicked and corrupt generation and day and age. They continued to live for God and God spared them and he saved them by the judgment that he brought on everybody else. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. God can do the same thing for us today. You think we're in a bad way, but wait a minute. Hey, God's still God. Amen. Amen. We need to keep living for him. We need to keep trusting him. And we need to believe that he has his hand upon the situation. It says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. 
Boy, when a nation gets involved in sin and sin is the prevailing lifestyle, God will judge that. Amen. So lest we sit here and boo-hoo and pout and everything, what's happened and what's come upon us, God's caused it to happen. He's let it happen for a purpose and for a reason. Amen. We need to trust him. He's God and he knows better. Amen. What does he say there in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8 and 9? My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Amen. God knows what he's doing. You know the end of this passage that I just read here, and we'll get there in just a moment, but God knows exactly what he's doing. And he's, he's, as much as he is a God of love, he's a God of justice. And his justice will come through. So we're facing today, we, we, what we're facing right now, we need to remember that God caused it. God let it, you say, but this is talking about the generation back there. I'm drawing the application, okay? It's very similar what's going on here. We've turned so far away from God, God's caused this thing to happen. Secondly is this, uh, if you notice there in verse number five, it says this, uh, build your houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget uh, sons and daughters and uh, take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that ye may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased and not diminished. So the second thing that God gives them in this little outline that he tells them, listen, I'm the one who caused it, it's gonna happen. Secondly, remember, you can still be prosperous in captivity. God wants us to be prosperous in captivity. God doesn't want us to quit living. He doesn't want us to, to give up and just throw the towel in. No, keep living, keep marrying, keep giving in marriage, keep doing those things. Why? He says uh, that uh, ye may be increased there and not diminished. And we ought to be, we ought to have an influence about those around about us. We ought to have a power of influence in other people's lives. We ought to be increasing in that manner. You say, well, look at where we're at. Look at what, hey, well, look at where Joseph was at. You think of what Joseph went through. I mean, can you, can you just imagine for a moment dealing with what Joseph's having to deal with and going through the, uh, the brothers shunning him and everything and then being put into uh, captivity there in Potiphar's house and, and, uh, and uh, ends up being falsely accused and everything. But... Uh, but God was still with him. Turn over real quick to Genesis 39. Just look at Genesis 39 for a second. I love these verses. Genesis 39. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, uh, uh, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. Notice, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of the, uh, his master, the Egyptian. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, I mean, he was in captivity. And he was a slave, if you would, and a servant in his master's house. But it says that God was with him and he was prosperous. Amen. God can be with every one of us. And God can prosper every one of us also. Amen. I believe that God would speak the same words to us today. You know what? This thing's happened not necessarily because of God's people. I'm sure partly because of God's people. I think sometimes we blame it all on God's people, but we got a wicked nation that's turned its back on God. Amen. 
And, and, but God wants you to know that you can still be prosperous. He can still bless you. If you read down just a little further, when he gets cast into prison, it says in uh, uh, verse 20, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. And verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. What do you say, man? You read on down through there. Hey, no matter what's going on, God can bless us. He can prosper us. He can give us favor in the midst of a wicked and corrupt generation. Amen. We need to keep trusting him. We need to keep believing him. We need to keep living life. Amen. Hey, there's no reason for God's people to be down and disappointed and upset. Man, we need to be the ones who are raising our voices in praise to him and exalting him. God's still God. Amen. People say, well, where was God at when this happened? Right where he's always been. On his throne where he's always been. Knows exactly what's happening, what's going on. Amen. We need to trust him. Think about old Daniel and what Daniel went through. We could go back and read in Daniel chapter one about uh, how that he had to deal with the mess that he had to deal with. But because he took a stand for what was right, he didn't quit living the Christian life. Oh, the king says that I have to do this, so I'm gonna do it. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna keep myself pure. God blessed him, gave him favor, and God promoted him in a wicked and corrupt generation. You don't think God could do the same for every one of us today? If we just keep on living for him, amen. Don't quit, don't give up, keep going. Why? Because God wants to bless you in, through, in and through the captivity. He wants to make it prosperous. The next thing that we see here, this third thing is this. These are just all things to remember. First, remember God caused it. Second, remember you can still be prosperous in captivity. The third one is this. In uh, verse number seven, it says, and seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof, ye shall have peace. What's the third thing? Remember, we should be praying for the peace of our cities and our land. We should be praying for our cities and our land. Can I ask you a question? How many of you pray faithfully for your city? I mean, if you live in Lawrence, are you praying for Lawrence? You say, man, Lawrence is a very liberal city. Yeah, but are you praying for it? Are you praying that God's hand of peace would be upon it? In the peace of the city, you're going to have peace too. Amen. Amen. Whatever your city is, if you live in Topeka, whatever, are you praying for the peace of your city? Man, I'll never forget a message I heard at pastor school uh, when uh, Tom Williams preached that message about America and praying over the cities of America. And man, he started, he started naming states. And he was naming cities. And he was, man, he, I'm telling you, so convicting about how he, his prayer life where he'd pray for every state in the union. And he'd go through the state city by city. You know, we'll sit here and we'll complain and we'll bellyache about all the different liberal big cities and everything. But do we stop to pray for them? Do we pray that somehow God would bring peace upon them? The only way they have peace is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You get that, you understand. So you're praying that they will come to know the Lord, amen, that peace would come upon them. Hey, there's no peace without the Lord, amen. Are we praying for the peace of our cities? Are we praying for the peace of our land? Hey, I'm gonna tell you what, the only thing that's gonna be, bring peace to this land is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Are we praying for it? Are we looking for it? With anticipation, says, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. 
I wonder what our lives and I wonder what our country would be like. I wonder what our families would be like if we spent more time praying and less time complaining. It'd change a whole lot if we'd get back to being a praying people. God answers prayer. Amen. Fourth thing is this. As we go on down in verse number eight, notice what it says. Now this is interesting with what's happened in our country. It says, for thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. So we, if we go back, and we could, we could go back and look back in chapter 27. We'll look over in chapter 27, and notice what it says in verse 9. This is what the Lord told Jeremiah. Therefore hearken not ye to your prophets, nor to your diviners, nor to your uh, dreamers, nor to your <coughs> excuse me, enchanters, nor to your sorcerers, which speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. Oh, we don't have to do this. Let's fight against this. In verse number 12, it says, I spake also to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, <clears throat> bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Why will ye die, thou and thy people, by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? Therefore hearken not unto the words of the prophets that speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. For I have not sent them, saith the Lord, yet they prophesy a lie in my name. Uh, we can look, uh, uh, look over there in uh, chapter 28 also. In chapter 28, in verse number um, uh, 16 and verse 17. Notice what it says there. It says, uh, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee uh, from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. This is the prophet that was prophesying that and, pro and proclaiming that. The, the fourth thought is simply this. Remember, we better be careful not, in, not to fall into the trap of fighting God and his will. We better be careful not to fall in the trap of fighting God and his will. How many of you are praying, uh, even so, come Lord Jesus? How many of you, that's a prayer of your heart and life? Then why are you fighting against the things that have to happen for it to take place? Gets real quiet. But I love my country. I love my country too. I spent six years in the military willing to fight for my country. I, I get it. But when a country turns its back on God, are you going to stand with God or are you going to stand with country? Oh, me. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying, I'm not saying that we don't fight for what's right, stand up for what's right and everything. But I mean, some of the things that took place around the election time, some of the craziness, people taking arms and fighting against, listen, did, is this world our home? We better be careful what we're doing. We might just be fighting God and fighting God's will, standing for what we think is right. Amen. What are you saying? I'm saying we just better stay on God's side. Amen. Stay where he wants us to stay. And then, of course, the, the last thing here, the most important thing here, it says uh, in verse number uh, 10, it says, for thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, 
I will visit you. And I love that. And perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. He says, then shall you call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all nations, from all places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again to the place whence I have caused you to be carried away captive. Now, don't anybody run out of here and say, well, Brother Martin's preaching this like God spoke that directly to us. I didn't say that. In context, he's talking to the children of Israel, the children of Judah. But there's an application for us today. If you follow what's happened with our nation and what there's so many parallels. I preached on that when I was around the 4th of July, the same kind of thing. What, there's a lot of parallels with what we've done. And so there's an application for us today. And this last point is, is, is the best point. Remember, the captivity is for an appointed time. God's got a plan. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in God's plan. I want to follow God's plan. I, I want to do what he wants me to do. And, and, and when, however long this thing ends, you say, well, I don't know. How long is this thing going to last? Who knows? Maybe this is it. Maybe we're coming down to the very end. Maybe, but you know what? Hey, what's the worst thing that can happen to us? The Lord Jesus returns. <laughs> That's the worst thing that can happen to us. What are you saying? I'm saying be excited that you're a Christian today. Well, we're facing a lot of difficult times. Well, don't let the world think that you think we are. Amen. What do you mean? I mean, praise the name of the Lord. Exalt him. Live for him. Keep going forward. Hey, pray for the people around about you. Ask the Lord to do something in their life to bring peace into their heart and life. Stand for what's right and let God be God. Amen. Amen. The children of Israel... This morning I talked about the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. The children of Israel were in a position where they felt like they had no hope. God sent them this little message through Jeremiah to show them there is hope. You just keep doing what I tell you to do. Boy, preacher, if we just live this book, if we just follow the principles of this love letter that God gives to us, it'd be a whole lot easier. Life would be a whole lot easier. Put him first, exalt his name, exalt his word, live for him. The way to deal with the captivity. How am I supposed to deal with the captivity? Well, first of all, you should remember that God allows it to happen. Secondly, that you can still be prosperous. Thirdly, that uh, we should be praying for the peace of the cities and the land that we're in. Fourth, we should remember to be careful not to be caught in a trap of fighting God and his will. And last, remember that the captivity is always for an appointed time. Peace will come. I'm hoping, Brother Morgan, it comes with the Prince of Peace showing up. The next peace that we have. I'd love to see it. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here this evening. And Lord, just speak for a few moments to your dear people. You know, I love these people, Father, and, and I love my church and my preacher. And I, I just pray that you would uh, help us to keep going forward. Lord, help us to not lose ground. Help us to not give in or give place to the devil. Lord, yes, we're living in some pretty dark, bleak times. But that doesn't mean we have to live like that. We can live above that. We can live above the clouds. We just follow your word, the truth and principles of your word. Father, I pray that you'd bless the altar time now. Have your will and way. 
We'll be careful to give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know what the Lord might have spoken to you about. Maybe there's something in your life that, that this touched on. Maybe you've been involved in some things that you fought against the Lord on. Or maybe there's been some things where you haven't been praying the way that you should be praying. And whatever it is that the Lord spoke to your heart about, I challenge you. Why don't you just take a few moments and come to the altar. And man, just talk to the Lord. That's all prayer is. He wants you to talk to him. What's he speaking to your heart about tonight?